0: Welcome to the pair program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Gruen. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. Let's jump into it Greg, thanks for joining us on the, the pair program. Um, this is a, another bonus episode of a mini series that we call How we Hatched. So this will be a fun discussion. Uh, hear a little bit about your unique career journey, you know where you came from and how you arrived at this current point in your seat today as a co-founder and CEO of ad hoc. Um so we'll zigzag a little bit along the way um but uh you know some of the things that I'm I'm excited to kind of draw on from this conversation which is pretty front and center for us uh, in our community is you know a lot around you know uh, how you know folks coming maybe from commercial technology backgrounds can innovate in the government space um you know obviously pretty relevant to what you all are doing um uh, but um first off I always like to start by getting into the foundation of, of who Greg Gershman is. So, we usually kick off with the question What did Greg Gershman have for breakfast this morning?
1: Uh, that is a great question. Uh, for breakfast this morning, I don't think I officially had breakfast. Uh, I was traveling this morning, um, but it was, I think it was basically a kind bar. Uh, so. Yeah. A
0: little leftovers from the hiking uh, in the Smokies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Solid. (laughs) Um, well, breakfast is important, but that is not how we typically start off uh, the conversation. We usually will say, you know, give us a little bit, um, give the listeners a little bit of a context on ad hoc, uh, and the, the problems that you're solving here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. And thanks for having me, uh, having me on. Um, yeah, so uh, for those uh, not familiar, ad hoc, so we're uh, essentially like a digital services consultancy. Uh, we work with mostly federal, uh, but also some state and local uh, government agencies to help them uh, build uh, online services uh, to help them serve the public. Um, and uh, you know, we, we got started uh, back, uh, founded the company in 2014. Um, the big challenge that uh, my partner, uh, Paul Smith, and I saw Um, So prior to founding the company, um, I had been doing some work uh, with the White House. I was in this program called the Presidential Innovation Fellowship Program. Um, And uh, you may remember in uh, I I was doing that in 2012 and uh, early 2013. Um, You may remember in uh, October of 2013, uh, there was this website called healthcare.gov that launched. Um, And so, you know, healthcare.gov was uh, a very ambitious undertaking um, and really, I think one of the first times, in, in certainly you know very visible times, where the government really hung like the entire success of a piece of uh, a social program uh, on the functioning of a website. Um, and you know, actually look in the, the the you know the law there there is mention of that there will be an online mechanism for signing up. So it's a big part of the strategy of the the Affordable Care Act was that they would have this website and that anybody would be able to go to it and sign up and get health care. Um, and, uh, you know, as you may remember, when it launched, it did not uh, go very well. Uh, the website launched on uh, October 1st. Um, I, I, the number that I have seen, uh, you know, kind of is the official numbers that on the first day, six people were able to sign up for health um, And it's not that there were only six people who were interested. Uh, the website uh, failed to... Uh, you know, uh, stay up with all the traffic that was coming at it uh, and made it very, very difficult for folks to um, create accounts, log in, you know, fill out the 80-some questions that you needed to uh, to answer about yourself in order to determine your eligibility for uh, healthcare, whether it would be subsidized or not, um, and then go through the process of selecting a plan. Um, only six people were able to get through that process. So, you um, I was very fortunate at the time, you know, had had uh, been working in uh, in and around the White House, um, gotten to know a lot of folks there, uh, and um, you know was was able to uh, you know get involved with this effort uh, to to fix the website. Uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, as a software engineer, uh, it's a website. You know, I figured it was maybe some you know database tables needed to be optimized, something like that. Um, But, uh, you know, when we got on the ground and, and, you know, kind of put a team together of of a couple people, all, you know, technology backgrounds, uh, mostly software engineering backgrounds, uh, you know, what we saw was that the thing that had been built was really uh, not the way we uh, and all of us had experience, you know, building high traffic um, websites, you know, that were public facing. So like consumer Internet kinds of things. not how we would have done it. You know, the technology involved was very different than the technology we would have selected. Um, the processes used were very different than how we would have organized or managed a project of that size and scope. Um, and the experience of the people uh, working on it um, was not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, one hundred percent aligned with you know building this kind of site that millions of people needed to access at once. It needed to help navigate people through a very complex process um, you know most people you know deal with health care through their employer you know there's a limited set of options you know not a whole lot to choose from and so you know you kind of just pick a b or c something like that this was you know tons of plans all sorts of new terms for people that no one really understood so it's a very complex process and you know just that was a thing that government had not really tried to do on that scale at that point and what so what we observed is that the, you know the experience of the you know in within the government ecosystem by which i mean you know the, the government uh itself but also the vendors or contractors that government works with which if you know uh you know if, if you've ever had experience with government you'll know that contracting is a big part of how government um gets stuff done uh right they, there's there's kind of like a core of government employees but then there's contractors who are employed you know to bring in special kinds of skills um, to help government fulfill its mission, um, and uh, you know what we saw is like this: there was a big gap here in what the government had available to it, um, and what it was trying to achieve with a website like this. Um, and, and you know, we we kind of looked at that from the perspective of what are people used to? You know, what do people experience in their everyday lives? In fact, if you go back and look at some of the press around the Affordable Care Act, um, the president at the time, Barack Obama, talked a lot about how Uh, he wanted there to sort of be like a kayak of healthcare, you know, something like that Mm -hmm. a site that pretty much all of us were familiar with. I think kayak is still relevant, right? It's sort of like a meta search for travel, um, you know, but, you know, associated with like good user experience, good design, um, really streamlined functionality. You can get what you want to get done really quickly. Um, that was a big, a big thing. And that's what people expect from the services that they use online, um, And so we just saw, we saw that there was a lot missing there. Um, And so we decided to start a company uh, to, uh, to try and bring that, uh, you know, uh, in terms of experience, technology process, uh, you know, into government and see if there was, uh, you know, a market for it. Um, And so that's, that's how we got started. That's really, you know, the, the, um, the, the sort of, you know, our origin story, so to speak, is that's the problem that we observed. Um, And, you know, our, our solution was, you know, let's start a company and, and, you know, bring people who have the same kinds of experience that we had, uh, into the government space and see, uh, you know, if there's a, if there's a need, uh, for that.
0: Nice. Yeah. It sounds like a right place, right time kind of situation. Um, you were right there when, when this, uh, situation arised and, um, you know, you had kind of that background and I was curious, did you have a, a co-founder that, um, you know, you started at Hawk with, or was it a solo, um, founding at that time?
1: Yeah, uh, so a gentleman by the name of Paul Smith, no relation to the uh, the, the fashion company uh, or any of the other, that's uh, a very common name, uh, <laughs> Paul, yeah, Paul and I met the first day of the what we call the healthcare.gov rescue effort. We met right outside the White House. Um, ironically, we both uh, had uh, lived in Baltimore just a couple miles apart from each other um, for many years, um, but had never met. Um, and, uh, yeah, Paul and I got to know each other over the course of the couple months that we were working on, you know, fixing healthcare.gov, um, and then, you know, uh, teamed up to, uh, to create an organization, create a company, um, to take it to the next
0: level. So I'd like to, you know, backtrack a little bit here as well, you know, your, uh, kind of journey into the, the world of tech, um. You know, let's let's start there as well. You know, how did you, um, I guess, get into technology? You know, was it something that, you know, kind of ran in the family, or um, tell me a little bit about that journey into the world of tech?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I grew up in the, you know, the '80s and the early '90s uh, in uh, right outside uh, DC in Montgomery County, Maryland, Uh, and uh, you know, it was very fortunate that my parents uh, got me a computer at a very young age. Uh, My first computer was a a Commodore one hundred and twenty-eight. Um and uh, you know, I, I just was always tinkering around, playing with it, playing games, you know, um, experimenting with different things, you know, wrote a couple text-based games as a kid, you know, always kind of playing around with stuff. Um and I, I think, you know, at some point uh you know, in, in high school, I think I I really felt like this is this is a path I wanna go down. Um I also have a very creative side to me. So, you know, I I, I like to um, sort of, you know, like create new things, um, you know, build things, and I, I found that, you know, software uh, was a, a good medium for me to be able to kind of express that. So it's it's been something that I've always really um, had a uh, had an interest in. Um, when it came to uh, college, um, I uh, I did sign up to be a computer science major. Um, I will admit, at the time, I didn't realize that it was essentially math, uh, which was my least favorite subject, <laughs> um, and so. Uh, but I, I managed my way through a computer science degree um, and uh, you know and and then uh, coming out of that started working uh, as a software engineer uh, from the beginning you know right right out of college, basically.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Was it a Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab? Is that where you started?
1: Yeah, that was my first job out of college, the the uh, Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Um, great place. They do a lot of uh, you know applied research. Um, I got mm-hmm. to work on, uh you know some uh simulation systems for you know missiles and you know uh kind of measuring like how the radar works, uh built like a little weather system that goes on the back of Navy cruisers, um stuff like that, which was uh, you know, was pretty cool for uh for a, a young person to get, get the opportunity to work on things like that.
0: Yeah, we're they're doing some really interesting stuff. We actually have a couple of uh guests uh coming out of uh, JHU APL that are talking more on this topic around you know innovating in defense uh, and, and of course like all the work that they they do with uh, you know defense research it's it's really fascinating and it seems like it's a, a great place to start a career in terms of you know giving getting you some exposure to tinkering you know getting getting you a little bit more of that flexibility um, but that was in a was that a cleared environment was it you know um, you know tell tell t- tell me about uh, you know your your introduction into you know, going into I guess you would call that more of like the public sector type of support.
1: Yeah, I, I, APL is is not what I would typically call like public. I mean, it is public. It's you know, it, it's it's applied research. Um, although they they do take your stuff and then throw it on a boat or something like that and tell you that <laughs> now it's in production. Um, and we were not building it for that uh, that kind of thing. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was it was a it was a very cool place to work, you know, it was cleared. So I had a secret, secret clearance, um, which is not too hard to, to, to get from what I could tell, basically, if you haven't murdered any, murdered anybody recently, right. you, you can get a, uh, a, a secret clearance. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, it was, the timing for me was interesting. I started working there in 1999, which, uh, you know, was like right at the beginning of like the web, mm-hmm. you know, kind of Boom! Right, it's when you know Pets.com and all this stuff was happening, and um, you know very quickly. I was there for just about a year, and I I I was really drawn towards uh, you know the the commercial sector. Um, really wanted to see if I could uh, you know get you know get a job at a company, and uh, you know. Uh, work on some very cool public facing you know kinds of things which that was very new back then mm-hmm. um, so I, I ended up switching over I worked at a company called Aether systems which is up in uh, uh, right outside Baltimore um, and uh, was a great environment you know they had gone public before I joined um, they had a lot of money I got to work in uh, mobile application development before this is well before the iPhone so we were building a lot of that stuff from scratch there were no uh, you know you uh, Transmission protocols for mobile devices and things like that. So we had to do a lot of really cool, like lower level stuff, uh, but also got to work at like the application level. And I got to do some R and D stuff there, which I thought was really cool. Um, it was a great environment for for me as a young technologist working in a tech company. Um, you know, I was challenged. I had people that I uh, was that were mentoring me, um, that were you know helping me, guiding me, uh, and, and, you know, really and lifting me up. And and um, I loved working there, even though the company really didn't make any money. Um, or, or wasn't profitable, um, and you know uh, was was uh, that that was the only downside to it. But I, I loved working there. I, I got to do some really cool stuff and worked with some really smart people. Um, eventually, got laid off from them in in about two thousand three. Um, so this is you know after nine eleven, and you know the tech stuff started to kind of crash. Um, and uh, you know I, I I at the time uh, had was recently married and had. Uh, kids at two young kids at home, Mm. um, and needed a job. So I took the first job I could find, which was working, um, for a large government contractor at a large government agency. Uh, I, I I will, uh, you know, protect the, the innocent or, uh, not by, uh, not referencing them by name. Um, but, uh, you can find out more about them (laughs) if you read various things. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I was excited. Honestly, was really excited. That was really my first experience. What I would call public sector work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like the, the stuff at APL was 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 very different. You know, kind of working in this this academic almost environment. Um, this was really the first time where I was doing you know um, uh, uh, more of like a services role. Um, you know, on site with a customer, uh, building something for them. Um, and I was really excited about the mission of the agency that I was working for. You know, I was helping a lot of people and I thought that was really cool. Um, but, uh, unfortunately I just didn't feel the same kind of culture around technology in that environment. You know, it was very, very different than, um, you know, then, then what I had experienced working at a tech company, um, you know, I really no principles around how they built software, how the company was organized, what processes they used, what technology they picked. Um, no mentoring, no anything like that. I mean, as far as I could tell, honestly, like my main job was to show up uh, so that I could put the number of hours that I worked on my timesheet um, and then build that to the customer. Uh, the rest of what was going on to me really just seemed like it wasn't, you know, wasn't the real important part of it. Um, and I, I honestly was really turned off by that. Hmm. Um, I left there after ten months, um, and you know, frankly, just said to myself, like, you know, if this is what government is like, I, I, am I'm really attracted to the mission and, and, you know, being able to work on things that have this kind of an impact, but I can't sacrifice at this stage in my career, you know, going into an environment like that. And, and, you know, all the, you know, the detriments that would have to me in terms of my growth and my learning, um, and just my satisfaction with what, you know, what I was going to be, I knew, I knew kind of intuitively, I would not grow into the technologist I wanted to be, um, in that kind of an environment. So, um, I left, um, worked in the commercial space for um, almost a decade, um, did a couple startups, um, you know, helped other people with startups, I did a lot of consulting, um, and, uh, and then eventually found my way back into government um, uh, around 2010, uh, was actually trying to start a company, uh, and uh, someone I pitched uh, uh, to invest and join the company um, said, that's a bad idea, you shouldn't do that. Hmm. Uh, instead, you should come work with me on this uh, this this thing we're building at the General Services Administration uh, called Search.gov. And you know, you you have I I had built w- one of the, the my first startup had been a search engine company. I built a search engine for blogs, um, so I, I learned a lot about how to build search engines. So he really wanted me to come work with him on that, um, and I did. And I was uh, blown away. I I thought all government programs were going to be like this. You know, this experience I'd had when I was younger. Um, And this was completely different. Um, It was very small, very agile, very much like working in a startup, Hmm. Um, you know, using uh, Ruby on Rails, um, uh, Elasticsearch, you know, pushing to production multiple times a day, agile development. Um, It just, it really, I was really excited. I was learning a ton. Um, I was, you know, even at that point, you know, 10, 12 years into my career, Um, learning new things, really excited about the work I was doing. And I had that impact that I had always, you know, kind of liked about government. Um, And so that's when I really started to think like, okay, I I really want to, you know, understand more about how we can make more of government like this, because Mm -hmm. I saw the power of that, that model. uh, And and the fact that, you know, technologists like myself could be attracted to something like that, and saw that, like, there's something there. So that's really kind of when I um, I think really got intrigued by the public sector um and and kind of all the pieces kind of came together for me from my past experience to say like here's how we can make this work
0: yeah it's a fascinating journey because um you know one you're you're seeing you know how technology is is built in different uh ecosystems or different environments right um you know folks that are from the d c area you know they'll They'll be privy to you know some of these large government contractors that are out there. I I worked for one for two years, after starting my first business. Um, you know, out in, in Indonesia, uh, came back and just felt like I was so confined uh, to you know not really being able to innovate. I felt like it was, and it's and it's not like this is how all of them are, but um, for the most part, <clears throat> you know, we we made a conscious decision to pivot into commercial startups um instead of solely kind of supporting in the government contracting space, which is it's really in your face if you're in this area it's 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 tough to kind of navigate through the noise of like who's doing government contracting and who's maybe just building a product or, or doing you know commercial consulting so it was, it's it's a very different environment and if you've never worked in it before um you know it's tough to kind of wrap your head around like what we're what we're describing here so I was hoping to be able to you know, use this conversation as a, as a platform to paint that picture that there is opportunity in, in those uh, it, supporting the government, but you know, you're doing it in a, in a different fashion here. It's almost like you took what you loved about, you know, being nimble, agile, working in commercial startup environments and trying to inject some of this into how, you know, uh, parts of the public sector build. Um, And I think, um, you know, those are the things that, you know, so one of the, one of the questions I had teed up to, to ask you is, you know, with ad hoc specifically, right. When you're hiring up, you know, software engineers, you know, what is it that you're kind of looking for to, you know, in, in a technologist uh, if you will, that you feel will be able to kind of apply and, and, and work with a, with a government customer, right. Because you, You've kind of seen both sides of it, right? So, when you're hiring, for example, are you looking for folks that have seen both sides, or are you looking for a mold of, of an individual that you know you just feel like they'll be able to adapt?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that I, I, I tend to look more at, um, you know, look for more like kind of inherent characteristics than necessarily like experience. I mean. You know, you can have worked in government and it could have been a, you know, one kind of experience. Like you said, I mean, it varies a lot, you know, agency to agency, even, you know, within an agency program to program, mm-hmm. uh, you know, project to project is very different. Um, but, you know, we look for people who, um, you know, number one, uh, are really passionate about what they do, right? Care a lot about technology. Um, that's something that, you know, uh, for me, it was always a big deal. Like, I, you know, as a software engineer, I was very opinionated, um, you know, and, and I still, uh, you know, if I talk to any of our teams working on things, um, you know, one of the questions I'll ask them is like, what's your code coverage? You know, what's your code test coverage? Um, uh, you know, like th- looking for people who, you know, they don't necessarily have to agree with what, uh, what, what my opinions are about software development or design or UX or product management or something like that. But we do look for people who are, are passionate about that kind of stuff, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and really think deeply about it and care about it um, you know, we, uh, we like to use the phrase strong opinions loosely held, right. You know, you should, you should have an opinion on something, but you should also be open to being convinced otherwise, uh, through, you know, through some kind of discourse or, or something like that. Um, so that's number one. That's something we look for. Uh, number two, we, we do look for people who, uh, want to see the, the impact of what it is that they're, uh, that mm-hmm. they're, uh, you know, that they're working on. Um, cause that's a big thing, you know, government can be for, uh, you know, it's a lot of good work, but um, you know, I think it's it's important to understand that, like, it's public money. Uh, you know, if, if you know, if you understand, or at least you know, the, the democratic process. You know, we we elect people who make laws, who determine like the things that you know we're going to spend our money on collectively as a as a country, um, as a community, as a society, um, and you know, so that's there's a level of trust that's that's given to that, and so we do like to look for people who. Are interested in that, right? Like they take that responsibility that they're being given uh, very seriously, and they're they're eager to take that skill that they have, that thing that they're passionate about, and apply it in a way where they can see that impact uh, very clearly. So that's another thing, um, you know, that we're looking that we're looking for. Um, those those are probably the two primary things. You know, obviously we're we are looking at skill. So you know, one of the things we started early on was a homework based process um, for technical talent. Um, so, you know, actually, before we even interviewed you in person, um, we would have you complete a homework, do a little programming challenge, um, send that in, we would review it, um, we built a system where it was reviewed anonymously. So we wouldn't see anything about you, we wouldn't see your resume, we wouldn't see your name, uh, we wouldn't see how many years of experience you had, we had people coming through there with 10, 12 years of experience, who would do a terrible job. And then we'd have people coming in there through with like, who just got out of a coding boot camp, who would... Ace it, you know, would do an amazing job, and so like we were, we were very open about that. But just looking at, you know, how do you solve problems? How do you think through a challenge? Can you, you know, can you explain that to us? Um, is a big thing that we look for. Um, you know, and to some extent, we also assess. Like, you know, um, uh, we have a we have a really strong culture around collaboration. You know, we we refer to the, the company as a team. Um, you know, so there's there's a big element of support. Um, we're looking for people who. You know, that we would want to work with. Uh, we, we really believe that, you know, the work environment needs to be one where, uh, you know, people are free to be themselves, um, you know, express themselves, uh, do their best work when they can feel, uh, you know, that they can be open and honest and things like that. Um, the, you know, those, those kinds of things are, are very important. So, we're you know, we're, we are evaluating a little bit along those lines as well. Um, and then finally, the, you know, the last thing there does have to be a little bit of resilience. Uh, I love government. You know, I've devoted the bulk of my career to it. Um, maybe not the bulk at this point, but a significant part of my career mm-hmm. um, to government at this point. Um, but it can be challenging, right? And and it's the kind of thing that, um, you know, there there are going to be days that are not going to be fun. You know, you're 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 here to write software, and you're going to be doing something completely different. Um, but that's what has to be done in order to you know get the get the thing that you're working on over the finish line or to the next stage. Um, And so, you know, the thing I always talk to people about is like, if you in your head can think about what's the impact that I'm making and what's the benefit, the positive benefit of that, hopefully for you, that outweighs the negative of any of the, you know, bureaucracy or things Mm -hmm. like that to go through. You can't use this tool that you're very, you know, comfortable with, or you can't do a certain thing because, you know, policy says or something like that, or that's not how we're going to do it. Um, those things, you know, you have to, everybody has to know, like what that balance is for themselves. Um, so we do try and figure out like, is the, is the, you know, is this person going to be able to, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, be resilient in that kind of an environment, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So that's just kind of a, uh, a rough thing of what we look for. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the, in the early days, almost all the people that we hired did not have government experience, Mm -hmm. um, which was really, I think, you know, in, in a lot of situations, um, what we were looking for, and also uh, just the fact that, like a lot of the way things were done in the private sector, in the commercial world, commercial tech, uh, consumer tech, was just very different than how government was doing it. A lot of mm-hmm. technologies and the processes, and you know, just not a lot of overlap.
0: Do you find like there's um, ever a kickback? Or back in the day, was there a kickback of of trying to bring you know commercial into these environments? Or did they think that maybe it would adapt well? Or you know, what what was what was like the um, biggest challenges of of really building the trust with with this type of a customer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I we were very fortunate when we started the company, we had sort of like trust, uh, you know, kind of built in, we, we started working with both uh, the Centers for Medicare, Medicaid Services, and uh, the Department of Veteran Affairs, um, mostly because we had really trusted relationships, people that were bought into, you know, how we were going to do it, right? They we were you know we are big proponents of agile development uh we were big pro- we are big proponents of cloud infrastructure and you know now it's very common to find you know what i will call real cloud um in in you know circa 2014 there were a lot of different options for cloud floating around many of which did not really they weren't really cloud they were just essentially just like a virtual uh virtual instances um and so you know like there were things that we we valued You know, pretty significantly, Um, and and we started out in um, you know with customers uh, that that either they they embraced that as well, or they were very interested in learning and and, you know learning more and experimenting uh, with it with us. We were the first ones to use uh, Amazon Web Services, uh, you know, uh, at at both of the agencies where we started, VA and CMS. Um, You know, uh, first ones to do agile development, human centered design, product management later. Um, So. Um, you know, that part, I I would say was relatively easy. Um, As we've expanded into other parts of government, especially into places where, you know, that's not necessarily the case where we, you know, didn't have that, you know, kind of pre-established trust and relationship when we started the company. um, It's a lot harder, right? Like it really is. um, a, A lot of what it comes down to is, you know, how do people think about technology? And, you know, in the government, the person who's buying that, you know, if they're contracting it, Um, you know, there's, I, 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 the the line I say is there's no objective truth in government contracting, right? It's not like, you know, they put out a thing saying we need a new website that, you know, people can sign up for this new benefit and, you know, they're going to evaluate that and they're going to be able to tell, you know, oh, this proposal is objectively better than this proposal because they chose to use this. And like, without any preconceived notions whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. The person who, or the people who are evaluating those proposals, they have a certain idea about what it is that they want to buy. Um, you know they have a picture of technology. Uh, you know what works and what doesn't work, and what they want. And you know the 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 person or the company that bids closest to that and is most aligned with that is the one that's going to win that contract and, and build that system. Um, so it, that's a that's a big challenge. I mean, you know, even we're almost we, we've been doing ad hoc now for nine years um and we still find you know the the bulk of the market that's out there especially now that we're a large business and having to compete more broadly mm-hmm. um, it's it's not uh you know w- the way that uh 100% aligned with how we think about technology um mm-hmm. and that is challenging uh you know uh it 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 it's you know maybe one of the toughest challenges that we have right now as uh, as a business at the stage that we're at
0: yeah there's a um there's a, a slogan and and uh, that's been thrown around in, in, a, in a book that was uh, written called Hack the the Bureaucracy. Um, what does that mean? What does that mean to you uh, and, and and how would you explain that in terms of like how ad hoc is is trying to to innovate?
1: Yeah, uh, so that book uh, written by uh, Marina Nitze, who uh, was a good friend of mine. Um, uh, we worked together at the White House, and uh, she actually was the chief technology officer at the VA. Uh, when we started the company, um, and so she was actually uh, one of our first customers as well. Um, uh, I, I think what Marina's talking about in that regard, and you know I had a little bit of experience with this when I was a presidential innovation fellow. Um, when you're inside government, it's, it, it's very hard to get things done. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience in big corporate environments. Um, so'm I'm, I'm a little bit hypothesizing about what that's like. Um, but, you know, you're in a big organization, there's ways to navigate it. Um, government's very different than any of that. And so I think what Marina and Nick do in that book, um, is kind of share their experiences for, you know, when you're faced with, you know, an organization that, you know, large, uh, unwieldy does lots of different things. Um, you know, maybe has a certain element of dysfunction to it, you know, from an operational standpoint, um, you know, mostly made up of very well-intentioned. Um, very dedicated, um, you know, people who want to be there and to make a difference. Um, they have different advice, you know, a set, various, you know, kinds of advice on how do you navigate that? What are some mm-hmm. tools that you have in your toolbox to, you know, build relationships, get stuff done, um, you know, kind of build rapport, all those kinds of things. So yeah, and I, you know, I, I had the, that book was really fun for me to read, because um, we were, uh, I, I, I kind of know my strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, uh, you know, I like building stuff, uh, and, um, Marina and I were a really good partners when we were working in the white house. Cause Marina liked hacking the bureaucracy and I liked building stuff. Mm. Um, and I got a sense after, you know, being in government for a little while, um, that there was going to be more building stuff going on, on the contractor side. Um, plus I had my experience with healthcare.gov where I saw, that there were like there was a big gap in what where the contractors were, um, and so that's kind of where I gravitated. You know, I felt like that's where my skill sets were best. Uh, you know, best kind of suited. Um, but absolutely, I mean, there's a huge need for people inside government um, who have a vision for something. You know, whether that's uh, a you know an increase uh, a, a different kind of experience for people, a different kind of organization. Um, you know, increased capability or capacity in terms of talent or people. Um, that kind of stuff is super, super important um, and is a big part of, you know, uh, what uh, what I would say is, you know, really the last 10 years, 10, 10, 11 years of, you know, this effort to kind of bring more modern technology into government. Um, so yeah. It's a great book. I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, it's on my, it's on my reading list. Um, it's it's super relevant to a lot of the content that we're putting out right now on, on our community. Um, and, you know, we don't have to get into this right now, but, you know, you're, you are you can look at this too around, you know, it gets really different from like federal, you know, agencies to Department of Defense, you know, might be a, a very different way of how, you know, if you look at them as like customers almost, right. It's like, you know, how, how are, how am I going to be able to, you know, to, to get uh, my point across? Like, you know, how, how will I be able to get a common ground with this type of personality versus somebody in this other agency? Um, so it's just, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge uh, space. You know, so trying to get real granular in it and break it down from, you know, different, you know, almost like sub agencies within, within the government is what we're trying to do and, and see if we can see some trends or just, you know, help educate because, you know, one of the reasons that we decided to, you know, make a bit of a push for this type of, um, media, some of these upcoming episodes on the podcast was, you know, we primarily, you know, work with commercial technologists that are coming from startup environments, um. It's no secret that you know the the commercial startup space is gone through a, a, a tough period right now with um, with with the state of the economy, uh, and so with that, you know, a lot of these folks are turning to you know uh, industries that are maybe a little bit more stable, um, and you know, there's a there's a level of stability here if you think about supporting the government, um, and so trying to help them, you know, navigate those waters and and how they would, you know. If, twofold one you know pursue an opportunity uh as as a technologist um or two you know building something uh their own startup and how they want to partner or or you know sell to the government you know these are things where you really have to kind of put your yourself in the shoes of these folks and try to understand how to you know how to best position um yourself to uh to 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 win an opportunity or to uh land a a job um and so I think this is all helpful stuff. Um, you know, I think it was something I was researching from, a, you know, a, a, an article that you had written or, or a conference that you had spoken to about, um, you know, product management. Really, isn't a term that gets used to, too, too much in, in the government space. A lot of project management's always historically been a pretty common term. What, why is it that you think like product management should be maybe a, a term that's more so? Um, uh, adapted to in in the public sector?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. That is one of, uh, one of our, I'd say like, you know, kind of core founding tenets is to think about things in terms of products and not projects. Um, uh, I, I think that goes back to, uh, you know, how we've built things in the past, um, you know, and and things in the past, you know, the, the, the old adage of like, uh, measure twice and cut once, right. You Mm want to, make sure you've got everything right before you do something that can't be undone. Um, and that's very true if you look back historically, like if you build a building, um, it takes a long time, it's very expensive, and it's very hard to change once you've done it. Um, anyone has, if you've ever done home renovations, especially while you're living in the home, it's a very miserable experience, right? And, and you know, even more so for like a big building, um, you know, or things like aircraft carriers or, you know, airplanes or something like that, You know, you want to you want to get it as right as you can Um, Mm -hmm. is you want to invest that time up front in making sure it's designed properly, anticipate all the challenges and then build it and use it for as long as you possibly can. Um, That's that's how we've you know, we've done things for a long time. Um, The thing about software, which I think, you know, we discovered um, sometime probably in like the late 90s, early 2000s, but really didn't kick in, you know, in in most places till a little bit later um, is that you actually had a lot of flexibility and some of it has to do with how we built software and some of the tools that are available. Um, But especially once the web, you know, kind of came about and, you know, things just started moving really, really fast, um, you know, and so like development practices and everything had to keep up with the, the ability to change so frequently, um, you know, respond to, you know, new information or new like kinds of inputs um, and also get like instant, getting instant feedback from people using your things, we had to find ways to, to build things that kind of incorporated that in, um, and what we found is with software, you actually can change things around pretty significantly um, for relatively low cost. Certainly not the same as like remodeling a house or you know deciding that after I built this big office building, I need to move the bathrooms to the other side of the you know whatever, right? Um, software you can do you can do that stuff for relatively uh, let you know less expense, um, and so uh, you know and 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 then once you start to build in. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, you know you have something that's out there, it gets used, you observe people using it. Um, and then you learn from that and you want to put another iteration out, right? So all the, the the advancements in technology and software led to a much different way of thinking about how do we put something out, you know how, how do we build and how do we manage something um, that's out there? Um, and you know that that is how you know the product product management, product development kind of philosophy, Uh, Became very common in the startup world. So, you know, things like, um, you know, lean product or, Mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things became very popular. Um, But it's, I think, the recognition that when you have something, a piece of technology, it's not a static thing. Um, As much as, you know, we would like to think it is, um, right? You build the building, you live in it for 50 years or whatever it is, and then, you know, you sell it to the next person or you, you know, whatever, it ceases to be useful and you knock it down. technology is different right and it, it affords us the ability to to iterate on something improve it incrementally adapt to new information um, and that's the kind of thing that you know we like to kind of Center our methodology around and so um, and and that's really critical right you, you know you put out a piece of technology um, and uh, you know it's current as of the day that it's launched people use it they're giving mm-hmm. you feedback you have to adapt it and change it um, and even if they're not giving you feedback, people's expectations change over time. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to keep up with that, or you will be left behind. Um, a great example that I like to use about that is when I first started working in government in 2010, 2011, 2012, um, you know, mobile apps were just kind of getting started, you know, kind of getting traction. But, you know, most of the time you went to a website if you had to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our sort of like policy in the government was, we felt like it's best to tell people don't build mobile apps. It's very expensive. You know, it's, it's a whole separate kind of development thing Uh, you know, just build websites that are mobile responsive. So, you know, something that's very, it'll work just as well in a mobile browser as it will on a desktop browser. Um, And I think that was the right call in like, you know, circa 2013, 2012, something like that. Um, You look at it now and there is no major service provider that any of us use on a day-to-day basis or even like on a monthly basis um, that doesn't have an app on your phone, Mm -hmm. right? Because apps have, the the phone has become the main way that we all access, you know, stuff online. Um, Everybody's built their apps, you know, whether it's you're taking a picture of your checks to deposit them in your bank, Mm -hmm. um, you're booking a hotel room, you're booking a flight. We all do this on our phones now and we all use the apps. That's how we think about it. And so for a government agency, to provide a service and not offer it through an app starts to feel like they're not meeting the needs. They're not keeping up to date with what people's expectations mm-hmm. are. Um, and so, whereas 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said, you absolutely have to have a mobile app strategy. Now, when I talk to people, it's one of the first things that I'll tell them. It's like, this is what people expect. You know, This is what they are expecting. And um, one of the projects we've done for uh, the Department of Veteran Affairs has been very successful, has um, been building a mobile app where we took a look at what do veterans need on the phone? You know, when they when they actually pick up the phone and they have that persistent, you know, app sitting on their uh, on their phone, what are the things that would be most valuable to them and building specifically to that? Um, and that's been a really big success. Um, mm-hmm. And I think is really a testament to this, you know, this idea of product management, right? Is that like, you have to continually be evaluating how you're serving people, you know, the thing, your product that's out there and is it meeting their needs? And is there something else that you could be providing um, that, would all, that, you know, would meet, that would meet their needs better uh, than what you have out there? Which is really a question that, you know, especially in government, is not something that they traditionally have asked very well, right? Put a law in place, you implement it, and that's it, right? They haven't mm-hmm. thought about the technology as you know, something that evolves, something that needs to change on a frequent basis. Um, and I think that's the product mentality really helps you do that.
0: Yeah. The, the user experience, right. The, the user research of, you know, what is it that these folks really truly want, um, and really polling the users, uh, you know, human centered design, like really understanding how is it going to make their lives easier or, or simplify things. Um, I love the, I love your example about, about how apps have just, yeah, they, I mean, if, if you're not building an app, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, uh, to have everybody just go to the website and figure it out from there. Like give me that simplicity of just open up the app and everything's front and center. Um, so true. Um, well we, you know, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, for this segment. So I guess I'll just kind of wrap with, um, you know, what, what are some of those things that you know looking at, um, you know, 2023 at ad hoc, you know, what are some of these things that, you know, we can expect uh, from an innovation perspective, uh, some of the technologies, some of those skill sets that you're you're foreseeing going to be in high demand this year?
1: Um, well, I, you know, I think in the government space, I think there's still a, a tremendous amount of progress to be made, uh, you know, just in terms of, again, like centering everything that we build around, uh, you know, um always good to have an intuition and kind of, you know, trust your gut, but also to, you know, provide some research and, and you know, do that human-centered design. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think that we're seeing an increased adoption of those kinds of practices in government. Um, you know, the, this this administration came out with a, the customer experience executive order, um, which has really helped government kind of center their attention around what are the things that we're building, you know, what what are the experiences that we're trying to provide and not, you know, focus it as much around the agencies or the specific programs. Um, And I think that's been really helpful in just kind of shifting everyone's mindset, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to that kind of a thing. Um, So I, I, you know, to me, that's something that I just see growing more and more um, every year, you know, more agencies adopting, uh, adopting that, moving into those kinds of practices um, and, uh, and, you know, and this administration, I think, has been really key in, in you know, kind of pushing that. Um, so that's been good. Um, the other thing that I would just say, I mean, it, you know, sounds kind of uh, hype and whatever, but I will say, I mean, you know, if you go back and look at stuff I post online, I was very uh, uh, not a big believer in Web3 uh, and crypto. Um, and I'd like to say I think I was proven uh, myself and many others who said it was not really going to amount to much uh, proven, proven correct. Um, But I do think that AI uh, and the stuff that's going on now with Mm -hmm. uh, large language models is really something that's going to change the game quite substantially. Um, We're, you know, thinking a lot about that and how it's going to impact everything from like the services that we offer our customers. We actually have um, done some very uh, experimental kinds of things with it already with some customers that have been, I think a success. Um, But, um, but also um, you know, how it's going to change the experience for the developer, um, you know, or for the, the researcher or for the product manager, um, how that's going to change what it is that they do, the skills that they have, um, the tools that they have available and what that's all going to look like. I mean, it's, it's moving so fast, faster than anything I've ever seen. Uh, you know, in my, you know, uh, how many years have I been doing this? Uh, a while, uh, 20 some years, uh, And, uh, you know, I I think that's really going to have a huge impact. uh, And, you know, uh, that is one that I think uh, I I, everybody needs to be paying attention to that Uh, really going to. Uh, I think really changed things quite substantially.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, topic. Um, you know, we were just kind of polling our team earlier about uh, you know AI. You know, uh, is it something that you think you know you're very excited about how it's going to change the future? Does it make you terrified? Um, there's a lot uh, a lot out there that folks are you know just a little a little concerned about, but at the same time, like you know, it's one of those things where if you're not paying attention to it and you're not Adapting to it, um, you, know, you will get left behind, um, and so you know it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it impacts these different industries. But certainly, um, in the public sector, um, how how is it going to be integrated? Um, all right, so we're gonna um, we're gonna flip here to uh, another segment um, called the five second scramble. Uh, so this is going to be just kind of you know quick hit, rapid fire Q and A. Uh, you'll have five seconds to sum up uh, your answers if, if it goes over five seconds we're not gonna air horn you or anything like that so um, feel free to answer as you will but um, uh, let's uh let's jump into it Greg. so let's just begin with you know what is your favorite aspect about you know working at, at ad hoc uh,
1: for me personally uh you know i I am just really proud of the of the team that we have here it's it's a, a a group of people who care, uh, and, uh, you know, put their best foot forward every day and show up, uh, for their teammates, uh, for our customers, um, and for the public that, you know, kind of by proxy, we, uh, we, we serve. Um, so, uh, the people that work here are, are just awesome. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, I think probably my favorite part of the whole thing.
0: Cool. I like how you use teammates. I, I do the same thing. Um, we don't really call people like employees. It's more of like, uh, teammates. Um. What, um, what aspect of your culture do you most fear losing with growth?
1: Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, for me, there's, there's lots of different answers to that question. I will say one of the things that's challenging for me, uh, before this company, I was a startup person and I worked in, you know, very small teams and I still very much believe in the power of small teams. Um, and you know, we've grown to be, uh, uh, from my perspective, what is a very sizable organization, um, what's that
0: head count by the way?
1: Uh, we're probably around 575 people right now. Hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean that, that, that's been a hard part for me is like, you know, how do we, how do we have that kind of common shared sense of, Mm -hmm. you know, mission and purpose, um, you know, as we get to be a bigger and bigger company, um, bigger organization. Um, and so, you know, I'm always looking for ways that we can kind of instill that and bring people together, um, and, you know, find ways to, uh, strengthen the bonds of us as, you know, kind of a community of people who are, are working kind of, uh, maybe not on the same project, but sort of, uh, you know, as a shared goal, uh, common goal.
0: What about your work keeps you up at night? Uh,
1: <laughs> pretty much everything. Uh, you <laughs> know, I, I, uh, I worry a lot about, you know, about pretty much everything. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, 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 we're a services business right so it's mm-hmm. just it's a constant grind um, you know you always have to be uh, you know on on to the next thing uh, so um, you know I, I just yeah that's 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 something that that always uh, keeps me up is right is like um, want to make sure that we're uh, we're we're always growing uh, you know if we're not moving forward we're moving backwards um, and so yeah that that's something I think I'll spend a lot of time thinking about
0: what trait do you value most in your co-founder
1: um Paul is probably one of the smartest people I know. Um, you know, he's, he's a really, uh, I think deep thinker about things. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's very thoughtful. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's just a really good partner. Um, him and I, you know, we talk all the time, uh, and, um, you know, he's someone that I can always turn to, to just, you know, talk, talk to about what it is that we're doing. And, you know, uh, we, we have a, we're very aligned on, um, you know goals values and things like that and so he's he's just a really good partner
0: it's a fascinating um relationship right i mean it's they say it's like a marriage you you uh you build a, a pretty strong rapport with this person and you know a lot of startups fail uh because co-founders can't get along so it's always interesting to hear what traits um you know y- you all kind of play off one another uh what kind what kind of technologist uh thrives at ad hoc
1: uh, like I said earlier, I think it's people who, um, you know, both really care about their craft uh, and also want to see something make an impact. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that's that's very important, but also someone who has that sort of resiliency to understand that these are big environments. Um, you know, these are big, big ships and we're trying to, you know, move them a little bit. Um, so change takes a while. So you, you do have to have that uh, the patience um, mm-hmm. to see that stuff take root and take hold.
0: What, what kind of roles does ad hoc hire for uh
1: roles uh, so uh, the majority of the people that work at ad hoc are software engineers uh, that's that's definitely our, our biggest demographic um, you know we we generally kind of put it into uh, you know four buckets which would be product management um, ux uh, research ux design um, and then engineering uh, but we also have you know burgeoning practices around Uh, data, uh, data science and data analytics, um, cybersecurity, uh, you know, content, Uh, there's probably more that I'm forgetting, uh, for which uh, I apologize, but, uh, you know, we're we're focused on digital services, right? So Mm -hmm. how do we build those things? Um, And so, you know, really, any disciplines that fit in there, um, you know, uh, are areas that we're interested in,
0: uh, you know, finding folks. Nice. Um, what uh, what is a charity or a corporate philanthropy that's near and dear to you?
1: Yeah, so um, it, one thing which we uh, we as an, we uh, as an organization have uh, gotten behind is uh, there's a, uh, there is an effort to uh, make a national park uh, or a national recreation area uh, uh, around centered around the Chesapeake Bay. Hmm. Um, it's you know this amazing natural resource um and uh you know uh but doesn't have any official designation and so um uh, there's a group uh, uh uh called the Chesapeake Conservancy which is working on uh, advocating for uh a national recreation area uh, you know a, a part of the national park system to be formed around the Chesapeake Bay um and it's really cool the way they're doing it i mean there's such a diversity of history uh that that centers around the bay and this area you know, going back to like native communities, but as well as like enslaved populations. Um, And so they're they're really conscious about making sure that, um, you know, not just the natural resources are protected and celebrated and used, but these stories are told in their full breath uh, so that we get a full and accurate picture of the, you know, the Bay Area and the history of the people that have, you know, how they've lived there and how they've made their lives around it. Um, So we've been supporting that effort. Um, It's been really cool to see, uh, you know, that they've have released uh, they, they have helped advocate for um, a dra- draft legislation to actually put this into place was uh, uh, released, I think, last year. Um, and it's making its way through the system. Uh, but that's really exciting. That's one thing that um, as an organization, um, it's something I'm really excited about. It helps me kind of, you know, I get to see a little bit of the inside of um, how uh, that legislative advocacy process works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also I'm, I'm a big uh, outdoors person. I love uh, being outside uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, national parks is, is something I, 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 my dream agency to work with uh, have not had the opportunity yet, uh, but that would be, uh, that would be a, a, an amazing. So this is, this is uh, something we're doing uh, in the meantime to help, uh, to help with that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll plug that in the, in the show notes, build a little bit more uh, awareness for it. That sounds really neat. We well, kind of queued me up for a, a follow-up question here. Do you have a favorite national park?
1: Uh, that's a really tough one. I, yeah. I would have to say it's, it's pretty much a tie uh, for me right now between Yosemite, which is just, uh, incredibly beautiful. Uh, I, I, you know, the mountains and the valleys and, you know, if you've ever been there when the waterfalls are going at full speed, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I actually had an opportunity to go to Grand Teton National Park, um, which really kind of blew me away. Um, I want to spend more time there. I was there for, uh, about four days, um, but, uh, really, really amazing place. So th- those would be my top two right now.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to spend some time offline talking about uh, some of this stuff. My wife and I did did six months cross country and uh, hit up um, Grand Teton National Park. I I felt like you know you could spend months in that place and still just kind of scratch the surface. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, this might have answered the next question: Are you would you rather vacation in uh, in the mountains or at the beach?
1: I'm definitely a mountains person. I can answer that one very, that's the only five second answer I'll give you on this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Uh, favorite app on your phone? Favorite app on my phone. That's
1: a great question. I mean, it's probably, I, I spend most of my time on, uh, uh, I, I, well, I don't know how to answer this question. I, it's probably, I mean, I use it a lot for email work, that kind of thing. Um, you know, if, if it's like, what am I doing to like kind of wind down or disconnect or something like that? Uh, I will admit that I got off all social media. Um, but I am on Instagram. Uh, there's I've, I've kind of, you know, curated a nice mix of like nature birds, you know, that kind of stuff that that uh, that pops up on my homepage. So
0: I applaud you. That's fantastic. Um, trying to do the same, it's it's tough. It sucks you in, and it gets its hooks in you, and then it's like, oh, I need to get away from this. Yeah. Um, All Trails is a cool app. If if you're sounds like you're doing some hiking, so um, that's that's probably one that I I lean into more more than not. That's a good one. Um, what is the worst fashion trend that you've ever followed?
1: Um, Oh, gosh. Well, I have sworn that I will never wear a turtleneck again. Uh, (laughs) uh, Growing up in the 80s and early 90s, I had a lot of turtlenecks. Um, This one I'm actually kind of proud of, but I probably will never do it again. Uh, I don't know, if whatever, but I used to roll my jeans. um, Mm. Like, I don't know if that's if that makes any sense to anyone. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'll probably never do it again, but I kind of liked it. So I'll admit I, I thought it looked good. So. Did
0: they call it used to call that pegged, pegged, uh, your jeans. Like where you roll the the bottoms up.
1: Uh, I don't yes. remember it being called that, but that it could be, I, okay. I, I think, I think I called it rolled. Like we'd roll the jeans. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, turtlenecks, uh, we'll, we'll take that. that's a strong answer. Um, what do you love most about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Uh, what do I love most about myself? Um, I, I think that, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, uh, I think that, I think I, uh, like the fact that I am, uh, uh, someone who seeks out, uh, challenge, uh, and, you know, likes to be challenged. Um, you know, and kind of pushes my, push myself to, uh, you know, to kind of learn new things and, uh, you know, take on new, new, uh, new goals and objectives.
0: Nice. Last one. And we'll close on this, um, favorite, uh, Disney character.
1: Uh, well, that's, that's somewhat easier for me now because, uh, and I'm probably going to regret and think of like six great answers after I get off the call, but <laughs> I was born in 1977. Um, Star Wars has always been one of my favorites. Um, so I can technically list yeah. basically any Star Wars character and get away with like <laughs> yeah. that's a Disney whatever. Um, so I'll go with Han Solo. Uh, you know, that that was – I'm just a big Star Wars fan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Disney's uh, just ends, ends it all these days, doesn't it? So could go down some Marvel pass. You can go down Star Wars. So yeah, Han Solo will take it. Well, good stuff. Well, well, Greg, thanks for spending time with us. You know, we're we're excited about the the future and, and the work that you all are building. Uh, the mission behind Ad hoc. it's it's truly a space that needs continued attention. And uh, you know, we're rooting for you all. It's um it's great to have you on the on the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun.